Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Catholic Talk Show. Really excited about this episode. We're going to be talking about the Catholic origins of Easter traditions. Yeah, we're going to talk about why Easter is celebrated on the day that it is. We're going to talk about the origin of the word Easter. We're going to talk uh, about all the days of Holy Week. We're going to talk about where the Easter bunny comes from and, and why little kids find eggs during uh, Easter. I said a hip hop, uh, a hippie, <laughs> a hippie to the hip hip hop, and you, you don't, don't stop. Guys, great to be back in the studio with you guys, Father Rich Pagano, Ryan Shiel. As always, it's a uh, it's a pleasure to be digging into our faith with you guys. It is a, always a, a solemn and reflective Holy Week to you. Mm-hmm. Yes, but truly, but here's in the thing: you know, before we get before we get into Easter traditions, we've got to look at the fact that hey, it's Tuesday of Holy Week. Right. What are we doing over the next few days? We've already been what through are you Passion doing? Sunday, so what are you doing the rest of the week? You want to get together? <laughs> we got going on during Holy Week. Oh, Father. there's all doing? sorts of wonderful things going on during Holy Week. Hey, during this episode, would you would you kind of walk us through Holy Week, especially through the liturgical and kind of the flow of it? Yeah, like like my experience. Yeah, your experience yeah, and, and no, what priests sure. do and, yeah. and just the kind of the ebb and flow of Holy Week and, yeah. and the things that we contemplate. We That'd should have really called cool. this podcast episode, what are you doing? And what, what are you, are you doing, doing this week? It's Holy Week. We already know it's Holy hey, Week. What's going, like, what, what are you, you doing? doing? So if you don't have any plans, you know, like <laughs> thinking maybe we could hang out. Right. You know? But no, there's a, Holy Week is always so special and you know that song for Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year. In my opinion, in my opinion, Holy Week is just such a wonderful time of the year. And we kind of suffer with some of like the more cultural, approachable, like songs, you know, when it comes to either in comparative in comparison to Christmas, Christmas right? Because yeah. Christmas, there's so many Christmas carols yeah. and stuff. We need to have more carols for, for Easter. Would they be carols? They would. Yeah. 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 yeah you don't carol sing has all. a combination of Christmas. Now you don't sing all happy during <laughs> Holy Week. No. Yeah, it, 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 at the Easter mass, you can kind of get going. Yeah. Now we're just right. coming off of uh, Passion Sunday and <sighs> Passion Sunday is kind of like the Passion Sunday is a long liturgy. Oh, that's the one Sunday. where you read. They, everybody's reading. Well, it's you, so yeah, funny, I mean, you, you know. Like the, people you acting there. it out. They're acting Did you not it out. go this week, or were you not paying attention? <laughs> oh no, I just uh, I was just I wasn't reading. <laughs> I was just listening. Yeah, I, I do typically make an announcement before mass when I go in there. I, I'll say, you know, like if, if you're, if you got some arthritis going on, you know, don't feel like you have to stand the whole time for the, the gospel reading. The most important thing is that you're attentive and that you're receptive. Yeah. Um, you know, so feel free to sit down if you can't stand for the duration of the, the, um, and, that's, and that's a dispensation that yeah, you're a dispensation for yeah. next year. <laughs> <laughs> They're all sitting on their couches like, oh man, man my yeah, knees, my knees, yeah. did, did my you, neck and my back. Did you, did you enjoy Passion Sunday? Is that a, is that a high point for well, a priest in his preaching and his ministry? There's nothing more uh, sublime and a high point when it comes to liturgy than the triduum leading up to the Easter vigil. Mm-hmm. And the Easter vigil itself, that lit- liturgical expression is one of the most profound experiences that I have year after year after year. Do you ever sing the whole thing? 
the exalted or yeah. the, 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 the whole, the, the whole mass. The, yeah. The whole mass. No, I've never done that. Uh, I'd like to, but it, it's just, it, that takes a lot of preparation and you really need a choral, all seven readings. Yeah. And, and all seven readings got to do it right. And I've never presided the liturgy. I've only been a, a master of ceremonies. You know, oh. I've been, I've been a priest. MC, seven, Pag- seven MC years. Father Pagano. <laughs> oh, dude. So MC. I got a funny story. So I was in the seminary and I was back at my parish for um for the Easter vigil mass. Yeah. And uh, you know, got you know, all the dressed up to the T's, we got the thoroughfare out and everything. And my job was to hand it to the priest oh, no. to incense the <laughs> stuff, right? So I've never done this before. They just kind of throw you in, you know, and 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 I, I'm I'm walking behind them. And, and he doesn't turn around because he's first going to say the Lord be with you. Right. And I'm like, Oh, well, I guess he doesn't want it. You know? And I just turned around and they're like, <laughs> everybody's face in the, in the church was just like, don't cross. What are you doing? That, that was the first indication of many things that would come to ultimately lead you out of seminary. <laughs> you are dismissed. You are dismissed. So, but, you know, as you were saying before, Shil, you know, like the, the liturgy for Passion Sunday is so long. Uh, you know, I think, you know, when, when I was but younger. But it, but it is engrossing. Oh, my gosh. But when I was younger, I would like, oh, man, this mass is so long. Oh, the homily so oh, yeah. long. Now, I don't want to do anything else with my day. You know, in all seriousness, I think I, I think spiritually, I need to be over in like Africa somewhere where they have these two, three hour, four hour, yeah. five hour well, go to celebrations the, go to of the, mass. Yeah, go to a, a Byzantine divine liturgy or a Ukrainian divine liturgy. That, that, that'll give you. That'll take that whole day for you. Yeah. If that's what you're looking for. That's yeah. what I love because it's just let's not rush. Let's slow down. Our lives are so hectic as already, and let's just truly sit down together. And really enter into the moment of the celebration of, of the liturgical expression itself. Soak in the grace. It's the work of the people, liturgia, and to realize that we have a responsibility to enter into these sacred mysteries and to work it out with God, man, to really wrap your mind and your heart communally around these revelations. And starting with Passion Sunday, leading into the holy week, the holiest of weeks is always a great experience for a priest. Yeah. I could say that objectively speaking. Yeah. And, you know, following that movement from Passion Sunday, when you're reflecting on that passion narrative and you're thinking of Jesus, you know, riding this donkey into, into this, um, into the walls of Jerusalem, to the crowds singing Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And they're lifting up their palm branches, symbolizing the fact that Jesus has overcome the flesh. You know, Jesus is riding in triumphantly. And this King of Kings, who is this King of glory, open wide the gates. You who know, is like, the King of glory? And, is and the, what shall we call him? <laughs> what shall we call him? <laughs> he is Emmanuel. The, you know, the promised of the, the, the ancient hymns, though, like that reflect that are just so powerful, man. And so like that, that triumphal sense of Jesus entering in through the gates, being there, spiritually entering into where you are in this, in this procession. Yeah. And it's like, embrace that. Then you go into Holy Week and Wednesday comes around. Now, real quick, before you get into that, now, did you, did, did you, uh, did you weave your palms into a cross yet? I've always stunk at that. Yeah, I'm pretty I, good at it. Really, uh, that was terrible. when I when we were growing I've up. Always been terrible. When we were growing it. up, my family like they're in the middle master. I'll push them to me, and I'm just, I'm like, I'm like a sweatshop for palm crosses. <laughs> that's like here, make them. Um, but I think palms kind of, 
sometimes dude, I'm like picturing you with like a wife beater on and like a you know a, a towel around your head and like sitting Indian style and like <laughs> it's <laughs> hot and I'm just sitting. Are you okay? Are you traumatized? <laughs> it's so traumatizing wow. to think of Ryan Sheelan that way. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna text you an image of me doing that. <laughs> Um, can you come to my church? Actually, we'll fly you in just so that you, we could get you working on these things. And mass. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think palms, man, palms and mass this, this last Sunday, they, in some ways they distract from the fact that it's passion Sunday and everyone's like, Oh, it's Palm Sunday. It's just palms. We're going to get our little widget and we're going to, you know, it's it, sometime I think it's a little bit distracting. Mm-hmm. What is the, the, the chant is like, Hosanna. To the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Something, something yeah. along those lines. That's like just from loose memory, but um, just like a couple days ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, all right, well, all right. Now, before we get into the episode, I want to make sure everyone, you know, we're going to get into some of the more of these Easter traditions, and Father Rich is going to walk us through Holy Week. Um, so far, we just recounted what you just saw last Sunday, but I think it's important to put Passion Sunday into the perspective of Holy Week. Now, uh, before we get started, I want to make sure that everyone goes to catholictalkshow.com. On there, you could subscribe to us on iTunes and on YouTube and Stitcher and Podcaster softwares and all the things that you like. And then you can also follow us on social media from there on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please, if you if you if you like and you enjoy what we're doing and and you watch us every week, please consider supporting us by going to patreon.com forward slash Catholic Talk Show. On there, you can. There's a few options on ways that you can help financially support us. Uh, we we're always we're always appreciative of your your prayerful support, but your financial support helps guarantee that we can continue making these shows. And there's a lot of opportunities to get cool exclusive content and cool coffee cups and hats and sweatshirts and all kinds of other things. So we really appreciate you if you do that. Thank you. Now, um, now before we get into walking through Holy Week, why are we celebrating Easter this week instead of some other week? Right. Mm-hmm. Why is the date of Easter set how it is? Well, the fourteenth of Nisa is the day after the, the yeah. It's and it's it's all in relationship it's, to the moon yeah. and the lunar calendar, right. and mm-hmm. so which is pretty cool. It yeah. is very cool. Yeah. So again, we've talked about this on a few episodes that the calendar, because it used to be the Julian calendar and now it's the Gregorian calendar. There's all kinds of all kinds of time issues, right? You needed. John Paul, John Claude Van Damme to come in and time cop it, right? But he wasn't available. <laughs> he wasn't available. So we had to have Pope Gregory do it. So there, there led to a lot of confusion because the uh, the date of Easter was based around the 14th of Nisan, which was based on lunar cycles and not a solar calendar. And those are a little bit variable. And the date of Easter just drifted all over, and no one really knew how to keep a proper date. So the church ultimately decided that Easter would always be celebrated on the Sunday after the first full Full moon moon. of the vernal equinox. That way it kind of removed a lot of the uh, um, Judaic calculations of lunar cycles and the variances in different calendars. It is the first Sunday after the first full moon of the vernal equinox. Mm. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Uh-huh. Listen up. And that's people. why the date can change, full. because mm-hmm. if the if there's a full moon the day before the equinox, well, then it's going to be pushed out a lot further. Or if there's a full moon um, the day after the equinox, well, then it's you know coming up right away. So that's why there's so much variance in the date. But there is a lot of um, 
ecumenical work towards getting a consistent date for everyone for Easter. And Pope Francis has actually proposed this with um, with other, you know, with the Orthodox, with the Copts and all those things. Have you heard about that? Mm-mm, no, yeah, I haven't. I haven't either. It's the first. Yeah. No, that's interesting. And, you know, for, for going into Holy Week, guys, you know, and, and after this beautiful experience of reflecting on Jesus entering into Jerusalem, and he knows, you know, he's already sweat blood. He's already looked over Jerusalem in, the, in that anticipation of great suffering, in this climactic moment of Jesus depositing himself so perfectly on the cross for our salvation and, and giving of himself so heroically, you know, we want to really enter into this as deeply as we possibly can. And, you know, going in for the week, what we have in, in front of us is Wednesday, typically, and, you know, in many of dioceses, there's the chrism mass. You know, technically it should be happening on Thursday. It's where you renew your priesthood and it's the last supper that we're reflecting on. Chrism mass is pretty cool. Chrism mass is beautiful. And And uh, if you've never been to a chrism mass, I want you to, I want you to seriously consider going because it's a way that you could in solidarity support the priest, support the bishop in a, a prayerful expression of being present to all of the priests renewing their vows as well as where the where the oils are consecrated for that year by the bishop himself and then distributed to all of the parishes. It, it happens at the cathedral, so it's go a, to your it's cathedrals. A distri- it's, a, it's a distribution of that anointed priesthood of Christ, and it's the anointing for, for babies and for the sick and for, uh, for priestly ordinations. It's a very, very cool uh, tradition. And, and I don't think there's a day of the year the church smells better. Oh, mm, no. that smell of the chrism, man. Whew. Good stuff. I yeah. love that. Yeah. I actually have a beard bomb that's that has yeah. chrism in it. Yeah, it's that's really... a Catholic bomb, beard bomb company. Good yeah. dudes. I've got the same stuff. Love uh, it. Tony Vicinda. And, you guys yeah, are doing yeah. great work. Yeah, good. <laughs> Shout out. Love that chrism. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful celebration, I think, not just for the, you know, the, the, the chrism oil and, and the blessing of that, but it's, it's a time where you reflect in, in on the Last Supper and and how Jesus, you know, um, just was present to them before all of his suffering. Well, that would be the next day. And the, it's the it's this technically it's the, the institution Holy Thursday. Yeah, oh, would be no, the but last but supper. that's but the the celebration itself, the Chrism Mass. There's with all the priests. Yeah, there's an element of that that it's like the institution of priesthood is something that's really reflected on, and it's also called for you know in the Holy Thursday liturgy as well. And now the Holy Thursday. Correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong. That is where, um, well, that's the Last Supper and that's the washing of feasts. Right. But that's also uh, the. The instant that is the institution of the priesthood, priesthood. at the last at the last supper, right? and the intimately conjoining with, sacraments with. of holy orders and Eucharist, right? Yeah, you know, I love that mass. Oh, me too. I mean, even though I got I got the boot from the seminary, I still love the priesthood. <laughs> yeah, you know? I still love it. Do, and and do it's a way to enter into it because, you know, the Holy Thursday liturgy, the beginning of the triptych liturgies of the Triduum, you know, that beginning day, Holy Thursday, it's, there's so much going on. Like That's you the said. end of Lent. It's, it's the, absolutely. It's the end of Lent. So Lent technically ends on what? On the Wednesday. And then Thursday begins mm-hmm. the Triduum. The mm-hmm. Triduum. Yeah. Thursday, yeah. Friday, Saturday. 
But, you know, the, the concept of washing the feet, then the Eucharist, then we're remembering priesthood. There's a lot going on in that Holy Thursday liturgy. And there's there's a lot of different options of, you know, especially homiletically, like, what am I going to, to, to deliver like to, to the people? That day? It just changes every year, man. What's your it's just it's whatever I'm whatever I'm feeling that the people need most. And, and what, you know, in, in my prayer and my discernment, like what is, what is God really saying to all of us in this celebration? Mm-hmm. Do you wash the feet? Oh yeah. Do you ever get any real nasty, gnarly, uh, oh, I don't gnarly even, toes? I don't even think, I'm, I'm glad I'm not washing your toes, Ryan. No. <laughs> my, toes, my toes are magnific- magnificently and spectacularly Are they manicured. buffed to use a buffer? Oh, sh- <laughs> you can see your face <laughs> in them. It's a Dremel. It's a <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing like Dumb and Dumber. Sparks flying everywhere. When you know you're going to get your feet washed, everyone's going home and like, all right, man, we got to please up these tootsies because yeah. this is going to be a wreck. And I don't want father to see my mangled. It's so funny, dude. And the kickers. women, the women come in and they're wearing their, you know, their heels and they're, you know, you could tell that they went out and got a pedicure. Yeah. And, and everything. dudes come in, they got limp between their toes. And <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, thinking, is that mustard on your foot? dude? Come on. Like, this is a hot dog. This is kind of like a symbolic washing. I'm not really trying to like clean your feet up, dude. You could have done this before. <laughs> I knew, I knew a priest who would wash the feet and then kiss the foot of each person. Pope Francis does that. Pope Francis during his pontificate has made a very, uh, each year he does a very symbolic gesture with whose feet he is washing, whether it's inmates or women or non-Catholics or Muslim. He's very intentional with that. So true. And it's been a very, it's been a pretty beautiful and very humble part of his pontificate is that Holy Thursday, that service of Christ where Christ ties the wrap around his waist and cleans the feet of his apostles. I think he really gets that part of the Holy Thursday. And I I always look forward to what, how he is going to do that in any given year. He's so Mm -hmm. pastoral, man. I just love Pope Francis is how how pastoral he is. Yeah. That's gorgeous, man. So Holy Thursday. And I don't know, a lot of times uh, they have a, you have a, a meal at the church afterwards. Uh, I know they do that in mind. It's always pretty cool. And they always give you like unleavened bread and it's terrible. You're like, oh, thank you, you know. <laughs> so then that gets us into. And, you know, the the overnight experience for me as a priest, typically we, a bunch of priests will get together that Thursday night and have a, have a meal together. That's pretty cool. And yeah. have some communio, you know, like that. that's very, very special for us. Do you need special foods or just whatever? Um, and yeah, I mean, it's nothing like this. It's what we had like last year we had like uh like a steak and a you know um you know asparagus and stuff like that but it's cool because like the the Twitter one begins you're with your brothers you know or your mm-hmm. family like the perspective of the triduum like for me it's you know it took a while for me to understand it but participating in that mm-hmm. over the course of three days right is is a really reflective period it like really it, is it, it slows your meditative like juices down and you're just, you're and, just and it's also, it and in. it's overwhelming enrichment, right? Right. Because oh, it's, grace it's just like pouring yeah. on you like a torrent. And when you, when you go through the steps of like 
Chrism Mass, Wednesday. Wednesday's blessed, man, and it's so rich in thought. Then Thursday. And then if you're exploring every opportunity that you have to be able to enter into, into that depths of, of God's mercy, then you stay after the liturgy and you adore the Blessed Sacrament, you know, and, and it's like you realize that the tabernacles are being emptied, you know. Mm. This is the Last Supper. So you sit there for an hour. You sit there for two hours. You sit there for three hours. And then finally, the deacon or priest reposes in, in a tabernacle that is, you know, in reserve, like in the sacristy or something just for the good Friday liturgy. And then, you know, the church is empty. The tabernacle is empty and I'll never forget this experience. I had the keys. This was when I was a youth director out in Santa Maria del Mar in Flagler beach, Florida. And I I was so tormented in this, in this kind of night, I was just like, I need to just go to the church. So I went, I had keys. So I went into the church by myself and I just wanted to go before the blessed sacrament. And I totally forgot, you know, so like I, I, I just run in there and the doors are wide open and the blessed sacrament wasn't there. Where have they taken my Lord? Exactly. Uh And that was, that was the experience. I'm like, Whoa, yeah, this is powerful. And I just allowed that darkness to be. Yeah. And I just sat there and I remember St. Anthony was a very big part of that meditation as well. And I just, I spent hours there with the empty, the empty tomb, you know, like the empty, uh, tabernacle. Um, so anyway, like if you're doing that and then, you know, for me as a priest, we're having nice little solidarity and communion yeah. after adoration, then you go into the very, very next day and it's, you know, you're, you're meditating on Jesus and his condemnation and death. You know, he's he's imprisoned overnight. Now, that's the only day of the year that there is no sacrifice of the mass. Correct. There's only liturgy. Yep. Um, Yeah. And it's, it's the communion, right? Yeah. So it, it's not the liturgy of the Eucharist. There's a liturgy of the word. It's a liturgy of the word and then the communion, right? And there's even practices where they don't distribute communion on that day. No, in different, don't. in different, uh, yeah. no, in most, in most Roman Catholic churches, there's a distribution of communion in Good Friday, but t- technically speaking, it shouldn't happen, but that, it, I mean, it happens. Yeah. Right? I mean, there, there shouldn't be, uh, you could, you could distribute. There's an option to distribute, communion. distribute, but it couldn't have, that's been why consecrated you consecrate. No, you consecrate it on Holy Thursday. Right. That's you right. distribute communion during the communion, right? I've of never the liturgy. Se- I've never seen communion distributed on Good Friday. Really? Never. Mm. No. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's always just a, a yeah, it's much more of a traditional parish that, that you're in because yeah. they're observing. Oh, that. no, 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 no. My parish is not traditional. They're, they're hooting and hollering tambourines and guitars, but oh, I, really sounds like my uh, kind of place. Uh, <laughs> but, but, um, <laughs> shake it up. But no, like I, I, uh, in every single parish that I've ever been at you know, pastors explore the, the, um, option to distribute communion that was consecrated on I'm, Holy Thursday. Well, I've never had communion on, on Good Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to. Yeah, but. because there's a whole process of, of placing the linen on the altar because the, the altar has been stripped, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so all that's, all that's super important. But the most important thing to reflect on is the death of, of Christ on Good Friday and prostrating yourself, you know, and, and, you know, before the altar of God and recognizing how he's laying down his life and following after him, the priest in that unity is also showing that form of solidarity and laying down his life before he enters the sanctuary to, to call to memory, you know, in this anamnesis 
uh, you know, to call to memory what Jesus did at the crucifixion. So when are they removing, when do they remove the tabernacle or the, the, the setup of the title? Holy Thursday night. Holy yeah. Thursday yeah. night. They, yeah. Okay. Because there's the procession, there's a procession with the blessed sacrament around the church. Right. And then there's, there's a location of repose right. Right. and adoration. So, right. you know, in, in best case scenarios, if when you have a beautiful church property, it's like you can, you process with everybody, everybody joins you. And then you go to like the hall mm-hmm. where an yep. altar of repose is set up for yep. adoration of the mm-hmm. blessed sacrament. Yeah, that is, yeah, that's how they do it. At, yeah. They go to the, yeah. The I hall. just never, I just came, I just come on Friday and <laughs> it wouldn't be in there. I didn't know if it was like that night or in the morning or, you know, there's like some sort of ceremony, but it's, it's literally like when everybody goes home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now, my favorite Good Friday tradition is is holding silence from 12 to 3. Do you guys ever do that? I don't that? think Father Rich could do that. No, I've no. spent I've spent <laughs> the entire Triduum in silence before. Really? Ooh. Wow, that's that had to be zap. difficult for you. And, fa- and fasting. Wow. This was this was early on in my journey when I was like a total zealot, dude. I was yeah. <laughs> in the springtime. Yeah, and I mean like you're not Jesus, a zealot now. Jesus. Well, I'm, pre- I'm I'm zealous, but I'm not like I used to be, man. I used to be like a nut, dude. I I you know Jesus fasted for forty days. I remember I was I was fasting so much that Father Tetlow he, he came into the rectory. He's like, you're getting skinny. Kid, you know, and eat. I was I was laid out, and I just I couldn't even speak. I was like, I was like, I felt like I was dying. And he's like, you know, fasting isn't supposed to be like this, right. <laughs> you know. And yeah. it was a good learning experience. Yeah, but the, the, the kind of the traditional practice is that from twelve to three was when Jesus was on the cross, and and keeping silent during that and not speaking and just really meditating on the crucifixion and the the last words. That's one of my favorite devotions. It's a devotion that I know a lot of people keep, but that silence I think is just incredibly appropriate for the solemnity of it, and 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 focusing on all those last words that you know the last words devotion. That's that's what I usually do. And then after three o'clock, I'll probably go and uh, you know I mean we're still that's a day of fasting and a day of abstinence. Mm-hmm. So this Friday, you can't eat meat, and it's the day where it's uh, three three small meals where two of the meals cannot equal the larger meal mm-hmm. and you're, you're abstaining from meat and those types of things. Mm-hmm. It, also, I, I want to kind of point out like Ryan Shea was just saying, you know, the last words is a beautiful devotion to have. And I've mentioned in a previous episode about the five wounds of yes. St. Clair. That's, that's one that I love praying on good Friday and then uh, praying the stations of the cross. Absolutely. And continuing the, continuing the divine mercy novena as well, which is, which is already ongoing. Yeah. The stations of the cross on good Friday is just, I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. if you're going to do the stations of the cross, that's the day to do it. Now for me personally, I do a stations of the cross, a living stations with community Chinacolo, which is an international community founded by mother Elvira in Italy. And we have a community in St. Augustine and the men's and women's community from Our Lady of Hope and Mary Immaculate and uh, Maria Goretti. We all get together on the mission grounds, Mission Nombre de Dios. Mm -hmm. And there's a living stations. That's very cool. Cool. And it is so powerful every single year. We do it in the evening sunset and, you know, it's torchlight and powerful music so I'm really looking forward to being at the mission. I think it's like around seven o'clock or something, but it's right around when it starts to get dark. Yep. And uh, 
that's one of my favorite things. And then we just sit there in the communion. Then I hear confessions for, you know, another hour or two and, and people start to, you know, disperse. And then I'm there on the mission grounds at night by myself in the dark. And it's just fascinating, man. Mm-hmm. So then now, now we're moving into Holy Saturday. Mm-hmm. Holy Saturday is a peculiar day in the, in the life and the flow of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do that day? For me, it's a silence in the morning. And then there's a lot of, there's a lot of darkness that day. It is. And it's almost like the absentia, you know, this, this kind of, um, apophatic spirituality of, of like nothingness. There's a good reading in the uh, office of readings that day. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my gosh. The office during the entire Holy week from Passion Sunday to, to Easter Sunday is fascinating. Remember the, Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like this, this, this blank silence. I I wish we could pull it up. I don't have it. Now there, there, I think this might be it. And I think this might be referenced and it was an ancient homily on Holy Saturday. And I think this might be in that, but it's today. There's a great silence over the earth. That's it. A great silence and a stillness, a great silence because the King sleeps. The earth was in terror and was still because God slept in flesh and raised up those who were sleeping from the ages God has died in the flesh and the underworld has trembled. Mm. So on this day, according to the, the you know, theology, our Lord was harrowing hell. Mm-hmm. He was breaking the gates of hell on this day. He had just, he descended into hell and he freed all of those, all those, you know, the, the, the fathers that came before Abraham and, and Adam and, and busting them out of hell. That's what he was doing on Holy Saturday. But that, that sermon is, What's the theology behind that? I mean, if you're in hell, isn't it like? Well, see, now this is like that the or is the, it the dead? this is the limbo of the just. Right, it's the dead. Yeah, he, he but descended they still, it to the dead. That's what our creed says. Not descended into hell. Yeah, but like hell is a is a is isn't hell like a? Com- yeah, there, there's there's fine distinctions there that I'm probably not qualified. Okay, to, you know. Well, I mean, I'm just kind of like trying to work through it myself. Like, you know, if he goes to hell, isn't there no redemption there because there's? Well, just he's a, Jesus. He can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. But well, before we're just that, wrapping the, our minds around it. If, before if his sacrifice, the gates of heaven were closed. So where did people go? They weren't in hell, the suffering dead. torment. But it's the same concept that people use for the death of unbaptized children. It's mm-hmm. limbo. It's a state of, it's, it's a waiting room in between. And on that day, you know, there's some really them. great icons and, and images. I was just going to say the icon, also Community Chinakula that was written, is, uh, you know, Jesus going into the tombs of Adam and Eve. Actually, I want, I want, to, I want to roll that back. I mean, not, you know, cut or anything, but actually, I don't think the... East or the Byzantine or the Greeks would ever show an icon of the harrowing of hell because it's not something human eyes ever saw and, and icons only show things that human eyes could have seen. Mm-hmm. So the the it wouldn't have been icons, it would have been sacred art. So just for precision out there before all you Ukrainians start throwing potatoes mm-hmm. at me. Mm-hmm. Well, which I'd love to watch. You know, this, this happened before. transition. So the morning to back to your question before the morning is very silent and, and the office is a big part of that. And really it's a very somber experience spiritually and then going into the preparation. So in the afternoon, the rest of the day is all about preparing yeah. for the Easter vigil. Yeah, that's zero dark 30 for priests. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Here we come. Uh-huh. And guys, I'm, these guys know I'm a total pyromaniac, man. I just, I love, <laughs> love fire. And the best fire, 
the best fire That's a is is um what are you showing right now? I'm just looking at this harrowing of hell icon. Yeah, that, well that's that not an icon. That that's a painting. That's an a icon painting. is a very specific. You made that distinction, Ryan. Distinction. Yeah. We, we were there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There, there is an icon though that was written in, in respect to, and I understand the nuance, but um, in Community Chinakalo, where Jesus is going into the tomb and pulling Adam and Eve from their grave. Gotcha. Yes, that's and really cool. It's a really cool icon that I, I've got to show you. Um, so anyway, you know, like the the preparation process is really awesome Where because it's a fire? four port, a four part liturgy and I'm so excited because Resurrection Parish is my home parish right now and <clears throat> it's going to be the first time that I'm celebrating uh, Easter with them. I did Good Friday this past year coming back from California just because of the invitation of my friend who's the pastor Father Peter. But now like I get to I get to prep this liturgy which is my favorite thing to do and be an MC at and sing the exalted, you know, but do you do the Easter fire? Yeah. Yeah. Where do you, where do you put it at? Typically, well, th- this is where we have to figure out where we would put it in the th- in this, in this church. <laughs> yep. The best place that we've ever done is at Father Tetlow's parish because he's got this beautiful courtyard oh, yeah. outside where it's like people can all gather around. It was perfectly designed for the Easter vigil. At my parish, um, <clears throat> We don't really have that. We have there's like a little walkway and entryway, and there's really no not a good place to light a fire. So they they take out a um, a grill, just a literally like a like <laughs> like a charcoal grill, and mm-hmm. do it from there. And everyone from the church gathers around, and that's what we did at, at my parish. Yeah. Now Ryan and I went to now the the the, the Easter fire. Uh, was very, I think, one of the things that St. Patrick really helped institute. And Ryan yeah. and I went to the Hill of Slain, where uh, St. Patrick lit that Paschal fire in defiance of the king, and that was kind of the moment that you know Catholicism came to the to Ireland. Ireland. That was a pretty yeah. cool experience. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah, that point where he lit that fire, and in the land, all of um, all of Ireland, it was forbidden to light a fire because it was a sacred pagan thing, At and night. only the pagan king could relight the fire for. Um, you know, after the equinox and St. Patrick just rose up and shows like, up. He's like, I'm lighting a Paschal fire. What up, yo? He lights a fire and everybody's like, you can't do that. There's another And then, you know, the soldiers are coming to wipe him out. They're like, go get that fire. And they he was so kind of brave that the king, cool story. But yeah, being at that place where he let that fire is was amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and that, and that liturgy that flows from that, you know, to, to the, how it's practiced in all the churches around the, around the world, you know, there's certain places where you can have it outside in a courtyard. You could have it indoors in different places that I, that I've seen. There's no ventilation. It's going to get all smoky. I know. There. And then, and then the alarms go off. So a funny story is, you know, I, I, when I was in the seminary, I was preparing the liturgy and I gave a teaching to the parish at, at San Juan del Rio. And, you know, I, I had everything down to a T I've instructed all of the catechumens. I've instructed all of the candidates. I've instructed all of the kids serving and, and the lectors and everything. And I'm, it's like, this is, I've been working on this liturgy for eight, nine years at that point. And I'm like, this is, this will be the perfect liturgy. So we go in and the, the candles are being lit in the proper places and we process in everybody's candlelight. And then the exalted begins and I start singing, exalt, let them exalt the hosts of heaven. And I continue with the chant. And then next thing you know, 
right evacuate the building. Evacuate <laughs> no. the building. Do not use elevators. There's no elevators. So it's like, do not use the elevator. <laughs> no elevators. And, and it's just Okay, I'm not going to use elevators. They're not even there. And on. And, and you know, I could see ushers scrambling around trying to figure out how to shut it off. And all I could think of was Father Sosa and, at St. Vincent's. Yeah. Like, the liturgy must always continue. You never pause. Stop you never it. stop the liturgy. So it's like... All right, I just got to keep going. So I just start. I continued chanting with the alarms going on in the background, and then afterwards, you know, sat after the incense and all that, sat down and the readings start. And man, I felt like crap, man. I'm yeah. just like, man, all of that preparation, blah blah blah. And, but then yeah. Father Tetlow preached this beautiful homily on just like the imperfect and God meeting us in His perfection, you know, and. It just really settled. It settled my heart so much. But that liturgy is a very special liturgy, a four-part liturgy, which includes a blessing of a fire, the liturgy of the word that recounts the history of salvation, going into the liturgies of baptism and confirmation, the rite of Christian initiation, oh, the yeah. way it ought to be done, right? That yeah. it's, it's the perfect way of, and the most ancient way of Christian initiation, yeah. And then my, my wife was brought into the church at the Easter liturgy. Oh, how and, awesome! And that was I, I. I that was one of the most powerful moments of her life. She just said it was it was supernatural, and she was just floating the whole time. And the readings and the fire and the flow and being accepted and receiving communion the first oh. time it, it it was just so powerful to watch and for the impact that it had on her. I mean, she still talks about it all the time. So it's good, amazing. That's and beautiful. then it, then it goes into you know the the liturgy of Eucharist, you know. And then, and then the blessing and, and dismissal. So, you know, this four-part liturgy is the only liturgy in the year that is really the completion of the triduum, this triptych of liturgies, and the last, the last liturgical expression is in four parts. So it's fascinating to think about, to pray with, and to really absorb what God is communicating through these various windows into the divine. Yeah, if you've never been to a, a midnight mass uh, for Easter, I, I would... I would try. I would try that this once. year. Once, mm -hmm. just go this year and, and at to least go, do it once. Yeah, and and in all different parishes, most of most of those liturgies happen right around sunset. Um, but in all honesty, it it should be happening. <laughs> Really, right. really late. But liturgically, though, I mean, four o'clock liturgically is the next day, so you can get away with that. But mm -hmm. the midnight, uh, it just has that. Oh, yeah. And then it's always up. packed too. Oh, and, oh yeah. And, you know, you know, there's always consistently anywhere from two to four to five hundred people that show up for the Easter vigil. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My church, I mean, they have to have police come to direct traffic for the Easter vigil. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, there's police wee outside. Wee <laughs> like, son, you need to park over there. You're you're young. Park behind the church, behind the school. Like, oh, that's okay. cool. Yeah. So, so yeah, that and then that leads into you know Easter morning mass for me. I typically go out to the river at, at the St. John's River in Marywood. I celebrate a mass outside and and as the sun is rising. Now look, now you're there's a dispensation mm -hmm. in a lot of parishes for a sunrise or an outdoor mass that typically mass is supposed to be celebrated in a sacred place. But a lot of bishops will give that dispensation for sunrise mass. Mm -hmm. That's one of the few times that that's kind of very gracious with granting that, that indulgence. Mm -hmm, for sure. And, you know, for Marywood, the retreat center, you know, we can have weddings outside now because of the bishop mm -hmm. and, and mass can be celebrated on the property there. And, 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 uh, the but sacraments. it is a proper liturgical space within the context of being outdoors. Yeah. And the, and the mission grounds as well in St. Augustine. So any of our listeners really want to get married outdoors in a beautiful space. Marywood retreat center has undergone a gorgeous renovation. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it looks cool. so beautiful. 
And, uh, and then obviously Mission Nombre de Dios, the first altar, the rustic altar, you could get married out there. That's my favorite place to do it. But anyway, like, you know, this, uh, that's how I start my Easter morning at sunrise and we're worshiping together and we're singing Alleluia. And you're looking forward to it. Oh man. It's my favorite. It's, it's coming up this week. Yeah, I, Between I the, the Easter vigil. And then always after that Easter vigil, I have a huge fire and I'm just chilling and, and I have a, a nice glass of wine or a champagne or something with my brother priests and. And, um, you know, just to celebrate the the greatest realities of our faith, mm. that Jesus rose triumphant and the, sh- you know, the roller coaster of emotions that we go through during Holy Week. Yeah. Is- and then Easter food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you do ham? We're, yeah, we're a traditional ham, turkey kind of a family. We do ham and, you know, you got the, all the other cookies and that, but. And my Peeps. Fam- peeps. But we always have Slovenian sausages. We only give them two day- two times a year. Oh, well. But it is, that's, that's. That's my favorite thing. You've done a Slovenian okay, sausage. So where did the Easter bunny come from? So we yeah, were gonna, we were going to talk about that. Yeah. I'm kind of curious. So one of the things that everyone associates with Easter are Easter eggs and the Easter bunny. Now, what does that have to do with Christianity? Why a bunny? Why is a bunny a symbol of Easter? And why are Easter eggs a symbol of Easter? Those seem to be incongruous with Christian I mean, tradition. I because bunnies don't lay eggs. <laughs> they don't? What? They don't? Yeah. Are you serious? I'm serious, dude. I've been lied to. Cadbury <laughs> says that they do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now this, uh, you sit on a throne of lies. Cadbury. Cadbury, <laughs> you filthy liars. Cadbury eggs are awesome, by the yeah, way. They're they're delicious. Easter money is really congruent. It is it's the symbol of Easter to most people. And why a bunny when it makes no sense really in the context of Christian tradition. If you look at early medieval art, there is bunnies and rabbits everywhere within this artwork. Hmm. And people always be kind of like, why is there so many rabbits in medieval art, especially surrounding Our Lady, right? When there's so many times where you'll see an image of the Virgin Mary with rabbits around her. Well, I've never seen one, by the way. Well, how much medieval (laughs) art are you looking at? I mean, you know, I got the Google machines. But you're like, hey, Google, show me medieval art. I don't think they put like really big bunnies in those. They might hide. No, them in actually, the they're bunnies. Heavy, they're like they're pretty giant bunnies. These are like uh, Monty Python bunnies, right? Really? So the killer rabbit. <laughs> it's got long, sharp. Now everyone knows the the phrase "breeding like rabbits," right? Oh, yeah. Rabbits are just yep. they explode in population every spring. Yeah. Medieval medieval people thought that that rabbits because of how quickly they reproduced, must have been able to reproduce asexually. They were able to reproduce virginally. They thought that rabbits could essentially, as virgins, give birth to other rabbits. So this became a sign and a symbol of the virgin birth and of Our Lady. So rabbits really became very tied up with the Virgin Mary. Now rabbits give birth in the spring, and it was the Virgin Mary giving life, and it became a symbol of the virgin birth, but also the rebirth of spring and of fertility. So that's how rabbits got tied up with Easter. Now, why Easter eggs? Right? Again, Easter eggs. Fertility. No. See, that's that's what a lot of people tell you. If you're looking online this week and you're looking at everyone's telling you, well, Easter is all based on pagan, pagan traditions, and the word Easter comes from the uh, God Ishtar. That's that's junk. That's not real. Um, that that was started in the 1830s by. Do you have ever heard of Grimm's fairy tales? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he started that. He's like, well, I think that the word Easter and those traditions come from Ishtar, 
and from the Germanic goddess Yostar. That's really a very dumb way of looking at things. It doesn't really take into account linguistics. That's like, um, in almost every other language, it's Pascha or Pascha, right? Only in English and German is it Easter. And that's because the month that Easter happened in was called Eostar after this goddess. That's like saying anything that happens on Thursday is actually a, a pagan uh, tradition for Thor. It's just a name. So that's where the word Easter comes from. But it's only in English. Every other language is Pascha. But Easter eggs come from the fact that they were very poor farmers and most of them had chickens and they were, they eggs were a very important source of nutrition for them, right? But during Lent, Lent used to be much more strict, right? You couldn't eat eggs after a certain point in Lent. So all these farmers are losing and getting, they can't eat the eggs and they're going bad. But they knew that once Easter was getting close enough, they could boil the eggs and they would last long enough to make it to Easter. So there was a way of not having to throw away food that they couldn't eat. They were able to preserve it to save it for Easter. So hard-boiled eggs became very common because they're like, well, I can store these away for Easter and eat them without wasting them because I can't eat them now. Right. That's crazy. It is. And then people started decorating them because they wanted to show... They, I got all these eggs and we're just sitting around. It's just Let's an decoration. It's cool, right? Yeah. So they would take beet juice and other things and dye them red to signify the blood of the Lord. And then when you crack them open on Easter, it's white and it's cracking open yeah. the tomb and the blood of the tomb into a into the resurrection. So that's where the tradition of Easter eggs come from. It's Pretty not weird. a pagan tradition. It's not based off of Ishtar. It's not a secret Roman fertility rite. That's all just junk you're reading on the internet. You hear it here. You've just heard it here. Those are where Easter bunnies and eggs come from. (laughs) So Uh, do you guys, when you grew up, did you have uh, a tradition of searching for hidden Easter eggs at all? Yeah. Yep. Yep. The golden egg had $5 in it. My golden egg had $20. (sighs) My grandparents used to hook it up. But that was after you had fully initiated to Guido. Inside the golden egg was a golden chain with a golden cross on it. Hey, he's gone Guido. He's gone full Guido. It's it's funny, though, because um, I I totally stunk at searching for the eggs. My sister would kill me every single year, just destroy me in the Easter egg hunt. And, you know, we had it all the way up, you know, just leading up to when my grandparents really couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, good memories. It's, 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 it's pretty widely done. Yeah. We have one in our neighborhood where we go out and, you know, some of the neighbors will put them all out mm-hmm. around the, the, the neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, and all the That's kids cool, just man. wake up and start. Now, me and my brother are about. jerks. It's a known fact that we're jerks. I mean, we're very... We're very playful, but we are jerks. And the Easter tradition that has developed at our house over the last decade is really manifest of what jerks we are. So we have, there's so many little kids running around. You know, me, uh, there was five of us and there's all kinds of kids. My sisters have kids. I have kids. My brother has kids. So this is a million little kids running around getting eggs. And me and my brother, we're still kind of juvenile and jerks. So we go into the kitchen when my mom is putting all the eggs. We all go to my mom. There's, you know, 87 grandkids and all five of us. 
And my mom's putting all the candy and money in there. And we always go in and we go to the Easter food and we steak in like potato salad and like the, f- <laughs> like the fat ring off the end of the ham. And we call it ham worm. And we're like, well, let's see what kid's going to find ham worm this year. Right. And we stick <laughs> that, that in there. That's fun, And all kinds actually. of dumb, dumb things like, you know, cucumber salad and <laughs> egg yolks. And then it's. It's terrible, but it's very funny. We sit there out of the porch and we have a beer and we watch the kids running around the yard, picking up eggs and they open up. They're like, oh, I got a Cadbury egg or, oh, I got some money. And they're like, what's this? Ah, oh, dude, that's disgusting. Ham fat. And then the look of disappointment and perplexity on their face never gets old. That's very funny. That's one of my favorite Easter traditions. <laughs> I don't think that's one that's going to catch on really, but... Well, now you're going to have like, you know, all these people on YouTube doing that to their kids. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, look, if anyone wants to share a video of you filling up Easter eggs with ham worms or just any gross types of food, send us the reaction of your kids when they open, when it. they open it up. Yeah, that's pretty funny. That's going to be hilarious. That's like that. Uh, what's that guy? Jimmy like, Kimmel. Yeah, where Jimmy they Kimmel eat your, or yeah, they, they eat the Easter candy. Oh, that's so funny. Which I one? ate all the Easter candy. Like what? <laughs> you're the worst. <laughs> So that, uh, yeah, that's, that's my Easter tradition. Well, this is a beautiful, beautiful episode, guys. Yeah. I mean, while we're still somber in Holy Week and still reflecting on the Passion Day, we really are looking forward towards Easter and the the joy of that. And I'm excited. Mm -hmm, Me too. Yeah. And we just want to wish you all a many, many blessings in this coming Triduum experience. Please, you know, take the time out to really invest in these sacred days and absorb and receive what God has in store for you by going to as many of the liturgies as you possibly can. Again, go to the Chrism Mass, participate in Holy Thursday, Good Friday, go to a Stations of the Cross experience, have conversation and communion with one another, and really grow in your understanding of what's happening, leading all the way up to that Easter Vigil experience and reflecting on the history of salvation and who Christ is in that history and who Christ is to you. And when that beautiful day comes and that sun is rising and Jesus is risen from the tomb, alleluia, alleluia, we wish you a very... Very, very happy, happy Easter. And we thank you for joining us on the Catholic Talk Show. Again, make sure that you're subscribing, catholictalkshow.com. And be our friends on Facebook. We need friends. That's right. <laughs> if you don't, the Easter Bunny's not going to leave you anything besides ham inside your eggs. So make sure you do it. Hammering. And we're on ham Twitter worms. and Instagram yeah. and, and all the platforms. And again, if you want to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Catholic Talk Show. And you could support us, and that would be a nice little Easter gift. And our gift to you is our continued prayers and our support, and we just love serving you in this capacity. Yeah, in anticipation, he is risen. Yes. He is risen indeed. In anticipation, he is risen. He is risen. Amen. Great. God See bless you guys. You guys. Next week. Peace. Peace.